From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Third and goal from the four. Lost one for Odell Beckham Jr. Got it down. Touchdown. Rams pressure is picked up. Kyler. Did he get rid of it? It's intercepted. It's David Long. Into the end zone. He'll still get a first down at the one. Cup turning around. Off the turf and into the end zone. Touchdown Rams. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company. Candy is here as a company. Candy alongside in our Finley Toyota Studios. Ari, busy, busy day. We begin to turn the page, look forward with the Raiders and the organization. So many decisions at hand here so we'll get into some of the names that are being mentioned potentially as the new gm a little more post-mortem on mike mayock going bye-bye yesterday the uh, head coaching list is starting to build and build and build and then we've got other stuff to get into like the vegas golden knights a little unlv basketball later on some unlv football in just a bit as the uh, rebels actually add another player to their quarterback room so they have a bunch of young quarterbacks, and this guy's a pretty high-profile guy from a couple of years ago, so we'll tell you about that with an expert from out of the SEC. Let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. What's up, Candy? What's up, Cofield? It's been so long. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, Sunday morning, we did uh, much of the Raiders' season postmortem. We'll get into that a little bit more. Let's talk a little VGK coming out of the gates here. Again, close but no cigar, but it was the way this one went down last night where they jumped out to a big lead, looked just outstanding at times in the first period, completely fell apart in the second, couldn't pull it together in the third. 3-0 turns into 5-3, and the rough times continue for your Vegas Golden Knights. It's really concerning to me that this is the way they lost, like you said, because... This Golden Knights team has been a team that, yes, they give up opportunities. It's not strange to see them give up offensive chances, but usually that's happening because of the offense they're generating, not because they got three goals early and then just defensively broke down multiple times against the Pittsburgh team. And those first couple of goals in the third period were bang, bang in the first minute and a half from Pittsburgh, uh, the wraparound from Gensel that put them ahead. Uh, Robin Leonard is just out of position. So a lot to be concerned about, even with the injuries, just because of the way they played last night. How many of the four goals that really count do you think Leonard could have saved? It's always tricky to get into the soft goal versus not, but I think you have to say one. You probably could say two. Man, certainly wasn't given much of a chance of a face-off against uh, Kapanen, who friggin' blasted at 700 miles an hour. Uh, I think Leonard's view was blocked a bit. We still here? We are still oh. here. You, you, you always sound like you have a, a, a thought that's going to come in, in no, a moment. And no. I never want, no, I don't want to step on the no genius. I, like, like, no. like, no, no dramatic genius can't no, no be genius. Just uh, genius lots of can't phlegm. Be forced. Just lots of phlegm and trying to keep it, uh, kind of trying to keep it quick. So, 
But uh, that goal, Dro- I didn't lot, oh, keeping it phlegm on, uh, yeah, quick on the phlegm is kind of like as quick as we saw on the shot there from uh, from Kapanen on the nice. on the faceoff. And look, part of that is losing a faceoff cleanly, which again you you don't see a lot of with the Golden Knights when they're going well is losing a faceoff that cleanly. But that's the offensive skill of, of a team like Pittsburgh. Uh, when a guy like Malkin can win a draw, and that there you go. Uh, more on Leonard a little later in the show, and you know what the second half of the season is going to look like if they don't get better goaltending from both of the guys. Is there anything they can do this season at the highest level with all the uh, reinforcements coming? Uh, so Mike Mayock is gone. He was relieved of his duties yesterday. I noticed that uh, rap sheet threw something out there basically suggesting that the Raiders are a clown show again, that Mayock's underlings had no idea about what was going on. Uh, rap sheet, as I think you're the one who put it last week, and I'm going to use this a lot, and I think we have to judge reports based on this. Um, Rappaport is another one of those information dealers, right? Absolutely. That and it's even one step closer to the belly of the beast because he's an actual NFL employee. So, right. you know, it's different than Schefter being with ESPN, even though they do their job the same way. So he said yesterday that uh, he more than strongly suggested that things were handled in clunky fashion by Mark Davis and others. Do you believe him on this, or is this an information dealer backing up the guy who may have been getting him the information from the Raiders over these years, uh, because, you know, if you noticed, Rappaport broke a lot of stories about the Raiders, and there's nothing worse than losing your best source or source is. So I, I wonder where the info came that, you know, Mark Davis mishandled Mike Mayock. Are you suggesting that Mike Mayock, who used to work at NFL Network, the same place that Ian Rappaport works, might have been a good source for Ian Rappaport? That's interesting. I guess that's a possibility that we have to consider in all of this. I think we can also go back to earlier this season with John Gruden and just how forced everything was with Mark Davis to realize that he might not have a great sense of how things work in the NFL. Because was it a surprise to hear that there were candidates who were interviewing for the GM job while Mike Mayock still had it? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people, and that's not about Mike Mayock or who is in the building. That's for us. That's for us saying we heard about both coaching and GM interviews for jobs that currently were filled. Yeah, and that's why I can't completely get after Rappaport for trying to stick it to the Raiders a little bit because we don't have complete confidence that Mark Davis did handle this correctly. He's had a history of missteps, and yes, that was awkward in the morning we're reading about the Raiders reaching out to multiple organizations to interview their guys. And a lot of people are like, wait a second, there hasn't been any determination made on Mike Mayock. So, which, you know, this is going to be a theme during our discussions here until there's a GM and a coach in place. And I know we're going to, we're going to hit on this a lot in the five o'clock hour on the attractiveness of these jobs. And this is a debate that we got into last week when we talk about owners and we talk about the solidness of an organization, right? Well, you and I were going back and forth on which is the bigger clown show, the New York Giants or the Jacksonville Jaguars. There are a lot of media people who are on the ground here, just just like we said earlier with you know Rappaport. There's a lot at, at, at play, right, in terms of maintaining relationships. So 
if you're a local media member who's really embedded with the Raiders, there's nothing better than saying and give a little stroke to the folks who are still around with the Raiders by saying, this is a great place. This is an attractive place. There are a lot of people who want to work for the Raiders. Now, we're going to talk to Ben Volin a little later on from the Boston Globe because I want his take, because I want the outside perception of what the Raiders are and who they are because all the stuff that went on during the season and right before the season, you know, including Mark Bedane, that is all part of the track record. So while we do have some local folks who are like, beat that drum, right? Yay, Raiders, great place. Here's all the positives. Vegas is awesome. There are perception issues, Candy, outside the market. Of course there are perception issues. Look at what happened to this franchise over the course of this year. There are positives to be taken out of the fact that this team was able to steady itself, that this organization was still able to find on-field success, given the fact that it went through everything it did. But now we're going to start to get into the questions of who exactly provided that stability. And it doesn't really feel like with what we got during the season from Mark Davis that he was the source of that. Mark Davis, who still, to this date, has not spoken up in any meaningful way about the content of John Gruden's emails. Mark Davis, who left Mike Mayock, and still to this day, to this moment, Rich Passaccia hanging out there over their futures. Look, it's one thing to say it's attractive because we don't have a state income tax, because maybe you come in with a better quarterback than some situations would have. But the flip side of that is... Anyone who has ever been in a relationship where they've thought to themselves, well, you know, maybe there's something a little better out there for me. You have to look at how that person has acted, too. And if you see Mark Davis right now leaving Mayock and Bisaccia twisting in the wind, you have to say to yourself, how do I know I'm not next? Yeah, I don't like that part. The twisting in the wind part. I don't like that at all. And I think it sends a, a certain message. Now, on the attractiveness of the gigs... Listen, Mark Davis is not Jerry Jones. Like, I think I think Jerry Jones, it, I don't even, I don't understand the interest in that job. I've never really understood the interest in the job. Until 79-year-old Jerry Jones backs off and gets out of the football operations, they're never going to make a Super Bowl. Um, it's just the history is there. When he had a strong coach, they did well, right? They got to the mountaintop. Since then, he's got way too much power. So, and, and he sticks his snout way too much into football operations, positive for Mark Davis is he is a guy who will stay out of most of the football business but like you said there are times your owner does need to come up and offer structure offer leadership offer direction and the Basaccia thing every day this goes on and I know they're in a weird position he's interviewing for the job but if he's really not with a legit shot at the job then they need to move on or Maybe, there, maybe the only other thing that could be going on here is they've told him, listen, you can stay in your same position if you're interested. So I know it's a little bit tricky here, but there are a lot of people around the league, Candy, looking at this, and they're like, hey, that Passaccia guy is well-respected. We like him. He is a quality guy. You saw him the other day. I don't think he wanted the picture out, but right in the thank you notes, right? Next level stuff. The players backed him up. They made the pitch for him. The longer this goes on, without any definitive news, and Richie B flailing in the wind is, again, not good for Raiders' perception around football. Not at all. And Rich Passaccia, as you referenced there, Rich Passaccia is as well-respected around the league as John Gruden is not. 
and you don't want to put the perception out there that you would do him that way. So here's the problem with the way things are going with Rich Passaccia right now. Think across pro sports and how many times there's been an interim coach and they've thought to themselves in management, do we want that interim coach to take the job? If they do, they don't put him through this meat grinder of four other people coming and interviewing for the job. They give him the job based on what he's done. So if you don't think he's done enough to get the job, then just let the man walk instead of putting him through what you're putting him through. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Boss, man. Like you said, he drafted me, always looked out for me, constantly just being there. His family has always been so good to me and my girl and my family. We had a good talk yesterday, and, you know, he's going to be good. He's a great dude, and, and I just appreciate everything he, he did for me and, and this organization. You know, he's, he's been awesome. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Raiders start defensive end Max Crosby on uh, Mike Mayock and... I just want to throw in there, you know, while we talk about guys being fired, um, this show doesn't take it lightly. It does suck to be fired. Mike Mayock was always super cooperative with us. Um, And from a media standpoint, be careful what you wish for, because not every GM is as media savvy, media open, forthcoming as Mayock. So I, I, I wish him good luck. I hope he, you know, gets to do whatever he wants to do, which... If he wants to go back to TV, I'm sure the welcome mat is uh, rolled out by NFL Network. I think he'd be a, a great addition back to their coverage. I think he's great on the draft. And if he wants to work in football, if you know, he got his his taste of football working in uh, admin. I hope he gets a gig somewhere. So, uh, you know, sad to see Mike Mayock go. We understand the reasons why he went. Uh, giveaway time right now: three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Two tickets to a June seventeenth show at the uh, MGM Grand Garden. You can get your own tickets for this one at axs.com. It is the Not Fest Road Show with Slipknot and special guest Cypress Hill. Let's do it. June 17th, MGM Grand Garden. Caller 7. Caller 7. Caller 7. Caller 7. 364-1100-364-1100. Uh, those tickets at AXS.com for the Not Fest Road Show go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. AXS.com. Winner, talk to Ari. Caller 7. 364-1100. All right, Candy, we're starting to see the list build. Let's uh, concentrate first on GM. We've heard some big names, or at least I have, guys like John Dorsey, guys like Elliot Wolf. Yesterday, that uh, weird position where Mayock is still employed, and the news comes out that the Raiders have uh, requested interviews. Uh, those guys were one from the Colts in Ed Dodds. VP of, uh, check that, assistant GM. And the other one is a Patriots assistant. Gerard Mayo is also being mentioned because a request was made for Mayo, the uh, Patriots dude, player personnel guy, Dave Ziegler. So we'll do a little fact-finding mission in about 20 minutes with one of the guys from the Boston Globe. So Anything catch your attention here, or uh, you want to wait until we get an official list of GM candidates who are being considered? Wait. Wait for what? This is sports radio. I'm not waiting for a thing. 
I'm talking right now from whatever amount of information I have. I'm not comfortable giving my opinion. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to hold deal with it. I'm going to hold back on giving my opinion. Ugh. Great radio. <laughs> so when it comes to any of these situations, um, you can look at the edge cases of things that teams got really right or really wrong, but it's impossible to know when you're talking about an assistant GM. How much credit do you want to give them for that? Now, blame is something that is harder to assign, but yet it's more important to assign in these situations. So let's look at the blame side for a second. The Colts have done a lot of things right, and they've built a competitive roster. However, anyone who signed off on the Carson Wentz trade probably needs to answer to me as someone interviewing them about, take me through your process on why you decided a quarterback who's been broken for the last three years was the answer to a team that is ready to win now. So that would be my question talking about Dodds. Now, if we're going to talk about anything with the Patriots organization, here's what you have to answer to. How are you going to be different than anybody else who came from the Patriots organization? Because nothing that falls off that tree bears the same kind of fruit that it did when it was attached to Belichick. And until proven otherwise, Bill Belichick gets all the credit when it comes to New England. So anybody who comes out of the tree, we have to say, what did you do? Because one of the things that was interesting is that we're talking about someone being elevated to the highest job under Bill Belichick, which was in the article that put this out there. Um, the last person who held that job, Nick Casario, who is currently destroying the Houston Texans from the inside. So <laughs> it's not fair on our end to not give credit for any of the good things that, that have happened. But so often when you're in the process of interviewing for a new person, you don't know necessarily all the good things they can do. You sure as hell know the bad things that might have happened, and you need to try to ensure that those things don't happen to you. Like I said, we're going to talk to a uh, Boston Globe writer in just a little bit on the uh, Patriots GM candidate. That's coming up, but right around the corner, let's find out more about the uh, latest addition to the UNLV football quarterback room. Hmm, interesting. A lot of people believe Doug Brumfield has a chance to be an outstanding player. The... Other quarterback, Cam Friel, just won Mountain West Conference Offensive Freshman of the Year, and they've added another QB to the room, a, a former five-star SEC recruit in Harrison Bailey. So we'll get more info on Bailey and uh, what happened at Tennessee and why he's coming to UNLV. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back to the latest with the uh, Raiders GM head coaching searches, but uh, interesting news out of uh, UNLV football land. We think they had a full complement of quarterbacks coming back, some young guys as well, but they've now added another QB to the room, and it's not the biggest shock, as Marcus Arroyo did tell us after the season, if there was a slam dunk in the transfer portal, they certainly would consider bringing that person in. That person is Harrison Bailey, was at Tennessee. Josh Ward covers the volunteer scene for the sports animal in Knoxville. He's up with Cofield and company here in Vegas. Josh, how you doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, let's get into uh, Harrison Bailey. Who is he? I understand you know, he was a gigantic recruit when the previous regime landed him. Yeah, he was very highly touted. When he arrived at Tennessee, fans were excited thinking that Harrison Bailey was going to be the future at the position. He fits the, the prototype of what you're looking for in a drop-back passer, 6'5", 215, 220. So uh, plenty of height, good size, good arm, came from a big program in Marietta, Georgia. And so there was this excitement of him coming in with a well-thought-of class. He came in with the previous coaching staff, as you mentioned. And at the time, the thought was that, hey, they're building something. He will take them where we want to go. And it, it didn't work out. And there was a coaching change at Tennessee. And I don't think he fit in the offense with what Tennessee's current coach, Josh Heupel, wants to do. They were looking for mobility at the position. And Harrison does not offer that. So it was a matter of when he was going to leave Tennessee. He decided to do that kind of late this past fall during the season. And uh, yeah, he's still young. He's only been in college for two years, still has plenty of time remaining to develop into a good quarterback, and I think still has a lot of potential. He played a bit in his freshman year, in his true freshman year. What did you see out of him that first year? Yeah, he can be pretty accurate at times. Um, he played during a season where things were falling apart. The 2020 season was Jeremy Pruitt's last year, and Jared Garantano was the starter. He transferred to Washington State this past year, and J.T. Shrout was there. He ended up transferring to Colorado. Brian Malwood was there. He ended up transferring. So everybody ended up leaving. He was the true freshman who fans kept clamoring for. He finally got an opportunity. At times did some good things, but uh, didn't take too many risks within the offense. Um, you know, at times probably did the right thing to, to check down, but didn't necessarily show the big playmaking ability. Probably wasn't getting enough help to be able to do that within the offense. And also, in his defense, his freshman year, it, for most of the season, I think he was the number four guy. So he's not getting the reps you need to really be prepared. So as the season went along and I moved on from Jared Garantano, he did get an opportunity. His best showing that season was against Vanderbilt. That was a winless Vanderbilt team. So uh, I don't think there was anything really negative that he did. Six stacks, uh, but, you know, a freshman that, as I mentioned, was not playing that much in practice, at least with the, the first or second team. Yeah, how much how much preparation do you think he's going to have going in and, and an understanding of the offense? So when he struggled to hold on to the football too long or make bad decisions, none of that was surprising. And I don't think uh says that he can't work out at quarterback. I think it was just a reminder that, hey, he's going to need more time. He was not a, a highly touted quarterback that was going to be ready to play right away. He was a well-thought-of quarterback with good tools, plenty of skill that still needed time to learn. And he just wasn't really given that. That opportunity was probably not going to present itself at Tennessee. UNLV is taking a quarterback out of the transfer portal from Tennessee, Harrison Bailey. Josh Ward covers the uh, volunteers in the Knoxville scene. So, uh, Bailey, in terms of his game, you just mentioned there, um, maybe not the most mobile guy, which is interesting because uh, UNLV may want to play some more RPO football this year, so Bailey might not be the guy for that. In terms of the move, uh, do you think he – is he smart to go group of five instead of going lateral and staying power five? I think that's probably the right move. Um, if I had to bet one way or the other, was Harrison going to work out as a high-level quarterback at the Power 5 level at the SEC where he was, I would I would have bet on no. Um, we'll see what they do within the offense. Uh, you know, I don't know that much there, but I would not anticipate Harrison being able to add any kind of running threat. So I, I would change things where that's not what the quarterback is asked to do within the offense if Harrison's running it. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, like I mentioned, the Vanderbilt game, one reason he had success there was he was going up against a defense that didn't have quite as much speed 
wasn't facing quite as much pressure. Uh, now everything's relative uh, in the SEC, so we have more talent around him on Tennessee side, despite the lack of a uh, successful season for the team. But uh, I think he's going to have more of a chance. I don't know that he's going to be ready to, to go right away, that he's going to be somebody that can win a starting job this fall. But he doesn't have to. He still has a, a lot of time left. So if he gets, gets into a system, he's going to be coached by someone who has a lot of history coaching the quarterback position. So he's seen a lot of tape of what Harrison Bailey has to offer and do something that he can develop. If, if I had to bet on Harrison working out at the Power 5 level, as a starter, I would not bet confidently on him. At the group of five right. level, I think he has a much better chance to succeed. Are you surprised by how many guys are making the lateral move from power five to power five? Like I you know, I just and especially a lot of guys are going into quarterback situations where they're not guaranteed playing time at the next stop. I think it's really interesting that Nebraska now has both Casey Thompson and Chuba Purdy. It just seems it seems like with a lot of the quarterbacks, a real assessment of the ability to get playing time sometimes isn't there and they go from one situation where you know, they were behind two or three guys to another situation where it's the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, I think the natural thought is that, well, if you're going to leave, you should go somewhere where it's guaranteed. Right. I think that's tougher to find for guys. In, in the past, uh, over the last five to seven years or so, we have started to see more quarterback movement among grad transfers. And then we started to see a few guys who were able to get waivers, like Justin Fields to Ohio State. There's some moves, uh, Jalen Hurts to Oklahoma, where they're so good that when they move on, we know that they are almost surely going to start. But uh, sometimes we might think that on the outside, but it's not necessarily the case on the inside. Tate Martell leaving Ohio State, well, he'll definitely be the guy in Miami. Didn't work out. Uh, Zaire leaving Notre Dame to go to Florida. Didn't work out that way. So maybe it's a sign that some of the quarterbacks are moving the spots where they have to compete. Uh, they, they either they're more aware of what the situation is than, than we are on the outside or they're getting a wake-up call. If they enter the transfer portal, they decide, I've got to move on somewhere, and they find what's well, not as easy. I'd say it's a mix of that. And for Harrison, uh, you know, to bring it back to him, I would imagine when he decided to enter the transfer portal during the season that he thought that he would have more interest from other Power 5 schools but then a bunch of other quarterbacks enter the transfer portal. And uh, these guys, Harrison may be included, find that it's not that easy and you're still going to have to go compete somewhere because if there's this much of a quarterback shuffle, well, you're just moving spots to another campus where you're still going to have two or three guys that you have to compete with. So the, the guys who left Tennessee, I mentioned uh, J.T. Shroud, he dealt with the knee injury, but he went to Colorado where he was going to have to compete. J.T. Garantano went to, um, or Jared Garantano, excuse me, went to Washington State, had to compete, started four bits and lost the spot there. So I think a lot of guys are going to find that it's not that easy to move on and be guaranteed a spot somewhere else. Josh Ward's with us. Let's talk some Tennessee football. Who is the second best program in the SEC East? Well, Tennessee wants to claim that title. Um, Kentucky actually has more of a claim to it than a lot of people would think, but they just won 10 games again. They've done that twice in the last four years. They've beaten Florida twice in the last four years. Compare that to Tennessee. Tennessee's beaten Florida once in the last 17 uh, so Tennessee, I think, will go into this upcoming year getting a lot of attention as a team on the rise and might even be picked to finish second in the East. I would actually answer the question with Florida. They were down this year, but I think Billy Napier is going to recruit at a high level. He's already started to show signs that that's going to be the case maybe more quickly than other teams, definitely Tennessee or uh, or Kentucky, would want to see. Georgia's not worried about anybody in the division right now. But I, I think Florida still has the claim to that because of the power of the program, the 
Central on the recruiting trail. But uh, Kentucky would maybe hold on to the spot temporarily, and Tennessee's trying to come for it. The offense that Josh Heupel showed this season was really good, top ten in the nation in scoring. The defense was not nearly on that level. It's challenged by what the offense is. But you know, Tennessee, South Carolina, you'll hear more buzz about those programs. Kentucky is at least going to be consistent as long as Mark Stoops is there. And then Florida, I think, probably has the second most potential in the division behind Georgia. Is Georgia even now with Alabama, or we got to see more? Well, um, you know, Alabama, I, I think, still holds the, the belt of the top program, but Georgia's even in recruiting, and now Georgia does not have to answer the question of, when are you going to break through? Can you really beat Alabama? Uh, I think Bama's the number one team going into next year, but uh, Georgia's loaded with talent and what they're doing. Uh, they've, they've got some key players coming back, and uh, we'll see how that quarterback position looks. That's been a definitely come back. He's definitely the guy all all year long. But you know, there, if he is, there will be people that doubt him, but not as many. You know, so you don't have as much pressure. That program carry a lot of pressure to break through, uh, considering it had been 41 years since they won a title, and what happened in the national title game a few years ago, where they blew the lead, and then another game against Alabama after that in the SEC title game. So. The pressure that exists is just not there. Now, they'll have the target, but they kind of already did because of all the talent on the roster. So uh, Alabama's just established too much credibility, but in terms of walking out on the field, uh, Georgia looks looks up at no one. Georgia can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the country when it comes to players. Josh, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for doing the spot on short notice. Really good. Anytime. Thanks a lot, guys. There he is, Josh Ward, SEC expert, doing uh, sports radio middays, the sports animal in Knoxville. So, Candy, are you surprised that uh, Marcus Arroyo is bringing another quarterback in with uh, Brumfield and Friel? No, I think Marcus Arroyo made very clear in his comments at the end of the season that this was going to be a wide-open competition, whether it came from inside the program or outside the program. What I am really interested in is the fact that this guy goes to the sort of prototype that is not necessarily what's in vogue today, right? To have a statuesque pocket passer who in his initial scouting report, they say, you know, this is the guy who has the pro look. He's potential day three pick in the NFL draft. Doesn't mean it won't work. It's just a little different than what we've seen nationally and to some degree with UNLV. I think they, you know, they have a good, uh, you know, high upside freshman, true freshman coming in as well. I think they had to add a third person to the mix based on, just the durability issues last year. Of course. And UNLV went through one of the strangest quarterback seasons that we've ever seen. I mean, how do you go through half your season and not have a quarterback finish a single game up until, you know, basically late November? It's, it's unbelievable, but that's what UNLV was dealing with. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I, I cataloged a bunch of different uh, Harrison Bailey transfer stories. We, oh, this, this is the one. Um, I'll get the writer's name here in a second. It's not that important. But uh, the person who wrote up the SI piece on UNLV landing this Tennessee transfer quarterback threw uh, out there that the Rebels are going to be looking to throw 40 or 50 times a game. And I was kind of wondering, I was kind of wondering uh, where that was from. A Matt Ray uh, mentioned, here it is. Uh, Let's see. Other potential top transfers are expected to join Bailey in Las Vegas to play for rising star head coach Marcus Arroyo as the Rebels look to revamp their offense by throwing it 40 to 50 times per game. First of all, never trust anybody with two first names. 
Matt Ray is not to be trusted. That's just a rule of life that has not failed me up until this age. Second of all, that's a hashtag inside information, huh? Cofield, I feel like you're getting scooped on your own beat there. Sideline reporter for UNLV didn't have any idea they were going to do this? Well, I well, I don't believe they're going to do that. Oh, I do oh, think, oh, okay. I do, well, I do think there is a possibility, depending on who they get the rest of the way, whether it's a, a true freshman to come in and augment the running game, or more importantly, someone out of the transfer portal. Um, I, don't, I don't think we can underscore just how, even though they only won two games, they were competitive in six more, where they you know they lost inside eight points. I don't think we can underscore how big Charles Williams was to that offense. I mean, he was massive. So I don't know that they're going to, right now they have the personnel to you know, expect to run the ball 24 to 30 plus times now we have to see the complete team we haven't seen all the reinforcements if there's more coming on the offensive line and i think there are more coming um i will say they have made it a premium to load up on wide receivers as well because they got beat the hell at wide receiver you know kyle williams was kind of beat up throughout most of the season and he was productive when he was somewhat healthy jenkins was very good at times had some drop issues jordan jakes the transfer from indiana you know has the look but was not healthy for much of the year. They went out and they reinforced the wide receiver core. So you would think like, hey, they're going to try to beef up the passing game. So I'm not – I think it's going to be a balanced offense. Uh, Marcus Arroyo told us repeatedly, hey, you know, it's not a run first, but they they have a big premium on the run. So when I saw this, that they were revamping their offense and throwing 40 to 50 times a game, that, that one surprised me a little bit. And keep in mind, part of what's happened over the years with UNLV that has made them a running team – is the lack of talent at quarterback. Uh, they, they've done this consistently. Whether it's Lexington Thomas before him, go back to Joe friggin' Harrow. Like, like, this has been going on for years and years with UNLV, and hopefully they have a quarterback where Marcus Arroyo, former college quarterback, can put him in that mold and change it a little bit. Maybe not 40 or 50, but man, it'd be nice to see a good passer. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I don't get that one, man. Like, I think we give too much credit to these Bill Belichick assistants. I mean, I think he would be skipping the line in front of so many qualified people. Whatever happened to Eric the Enemy, what happened to Byron Leftwich, Ty Bowles, all these guys deserve opportunities before Gerard Mayo. I'm sure he's a young, you know, up-and-coming coach. It's not his turn. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Interesting. Bart Scott crapping on Gerard Mayo there. I don't really get that one. We'll uh, find out more about Gerard Mayo and also the Raiders' interest in uh, other folks out of the Patriots organization for the GM slot. But let's talk some NFL. Ben Volen, Boston Globe, frequent guest on uh, Dan Patrick's show. I think uh, today you filled in on WEEI, right? Yeah, I have a little regular Tuesday gig where we uh, talk about the Patriots and lately why they've been so bad and what went wrong. So we had Plenty to talk about today, no question. Yeah, I saw you called it a Patriots autopsy. So what did you guys come up with? Well, obviously, uh, so here's my overall point. It's like, okay, so they went 10-7 and with a rookie quarterback, and they're you know back in the playoffs this year. So why don't I feel good about where they're headed right now? And it's because it, it's, it's weird. It's not like they're a rebuilding team. Um, you know, it's not like they have like this really young core around Mac Jones and they're building something. They spent a ton in free agency last year. They're a, a very veteran-laden team. 
they clearly have to revamp the defense. I mean, look what the Buffalo Bills did against them on Saturday night. The, the Patriots just, I think, really got exposed as old low. So they have all. They, they need to, you know, revamp their linebacker core. Their number one cornerback, J.C. Jackson, is a free agent. Uh, Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, the longtime stalwarts. All these guys are free agents now. Um, clearly, the offense around Mac Jones isn't good enough. Um, they, they consistently throughout the last month and a half of the season. We're falling down 17 nothing at halftime, 27-3 to the Bills the other day. Um, so they spent all this money, and, and they, they still have all this work to do on both sides of the ball. So it's just the way the season ended, you know, they, they were 9-4, and four, number one seed, and then they go 1-4 down the stretch. The only, the only win was against Jacksonville. They looked horrible in their other games on both sides of the ball. They just I, 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 The future just doesn't look so great right now. They, have, they still have a lot more work to do. From what you saw out of Mac Jones, can he be a top ten quarterback in the NFL? Uh, I, I'm starting to wonder now, like just if his ceiling is just kind of limited. And I know that's an obvious statement because that's kind of what people said, but I think you see it in the big moments in December and January. Like, look at the quarterbacks who are alive now: uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, for most of these guys, Matthew Stafford, guys who can throw the ball on a rope. And guys who are mobile and athletic and make and can make plays, and that's not neither of those things are really Mac Jones. He's he's a, a very accurate passer. He's a very smart passer, and he knows you know how to, for the most part, knows where to go with the football. But he's not an elite talent, and he can't really make plays on his own. And I, I kind of wonder if he's got to be a product of the environment around him. If he needs a good offensive line and good weapons and. You know, it's, it was definitely a good rookie season, the best of, of all the rookie quarterbacks, no question. But he didn't really ever put the team on his back. He didn't have too many signature plays. You know, in a sense, you almost wish you had, like, Josh Allen, where he was just like a mess his first year throwing the ball all over the place. But you saw the athleticism and what the potential is. And, and I'm just not sure what how, how, how high Mac Jones' ceiling is truly going to be. So, look, very, very good rookie season. If you're the Patriots, you just hope that this is the floor and that he continues to show steady, um, steady improvement as opposed to just this kind of being who he is as a quarterback. Ben, you mentioned the free agency spending spree of last year, which, of course, has not really been the Patriots' way for a long time. You start to look at 2022 cap numbers, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Matt Judon, Nelson Aguilar, et cetera, et cetera. You see 20% of the cap, really and realize that there are some bills to come due here. So as we look at who the Raiders might be interested in from the Patriots personnel department, how do we evaluate the track record when it comes to things like that from the Patriots front office? Because I think we always say, well, Belichick runs everything. But how much say do the others have? Gotcha. So... um so this year, the Patriots certainly, during the draft process, they made a big show out of Belichick being more collaborative. And they posted all these videos to you know social media of draft night, of Belichick going around the room and saying, hey, are you good with this pick? Are you good with this pick? And that's a direct response to, there's been criticism around here where Belichick's draft record was not pretty for most of the last decade, definitely the last five or six years. And there was, you know, um, accusations that Belichick kind of goes rogue. He doesn't listen to his scouts. He just does his own thing. And I think that's, that's, there might be some truth to that as well. So last year they made a big show out of him 
being more collaborative. It was his first year without Nick Casario, and I think it's a testament to Casario. They used basically three different people to fill all the different roles that Casario was doing. And one of them uh, is Dave Ziegler, who got a promotion to, you know, being like the top front office guy. He, he was, I think, the point man for a lot of the free agency. Um, does a lot of the uh, grunt work as far as, you know, scheduling the workouts and which bottom of the roster guys we're going to sign. I mean, it's definitely Bill Belichick's team. Uh, Dave Ziegler is not, you know, exactly making the decisions, but a very smart, well-respected guy. I know he interviewed with the Broncos last year, and they really liked him. Um, so the, I think that's why the Patriots had to step up with a significant kind of um, uh, uh, job role increase and probably a raise for, for Dave Ziegler as well. Um, so, you know, he, he's still in his first year with more power. It's still Bill Belichick running the show. But he's a, a, a sharp young guy. I think he's only like 41, 42 years old um, and, and has, I think, earned some respect around the league for the work that he's done. Ben Volan joined us from Boston Globe, WEI, talking Patriots and uh, as well as the Raiders general manager process here. Um, I want to try to take the question that I'm sure you get asked a thousand times and twist it just a little bit because it, it's, it's a common theme out there to say, well, nobody from the Belichick tree does all that well when they get away from Belichick. Do you think that's too harsh in general, or or do you think that there's something to the fact that Belichick is the, uh, you know, sort of the the secret ingredient that makes all of the other people look better? Yeah, it's hard to conclude otherwise when, you know, I I think it's pretty well established that his assistants have have struggled for the most part. Bill O'Brien has a winning record and won a few division titles. He's also a guy who's not strictly a Patriots guy. You know, he coached Penn State. He came prior to the Patriots. He came from outside of, of the family, so to speak. Bill O'Brien had some success. Brian Flores went 19 and 14 the last two years, and I don't think his on-field performance was why he got fired from the Dolphins. I think it was because he disagreed with the owner and the GM about uh, the quarterback there. But other than those guys, I mean, it's you know, Josh McDaniels flopped in Denver. Matt Patricia was you know awful in Detroit. Um, Eric Mangini flopped a few times. Romeo Cornell never did anything. Charlie Weiss was a flop. Um, it's just been a tough road for for these Belichick assistants. Um, and, you know, it's not just bad. Like, Josh McDaniels can never show his face again in Denver. You know, Pat Patricia can never, never going to get served a drink again in Detroit. It just goes awful for these guys. And I think it just shows, like, it's Belichick. He's a genius of a coach. And, and, you know, like it was, it was Belichick and it was Brady. I mean, it was clearly those two things, and it's probably mostly Brady more than anything. I think as we're seeing, but um, you can't replicate what everything that Belichick does, and, and you can't replicate Brady either. So I think these teams have realized that uh, just the the notion that you're going to sell your fan base on we got a guy from the Patriots, it's not that's not a, a winning message anymore. It's got to be more than that. Would you grab Gerard Mayo to be a head coach now? So that said, I, I do like Gerard a lot, and I, you know I, I understand where Bart Scott is coming from. That Gerard Mayo seems to have come out of nowhere, but I, I think you have to take his eight years in the league into account. I mean, this was a guy from the get-go. I think he was one of the team captains early on, and was always referred to as a coach in the locker room. You know, there were a couple of years where he was on IR, and he basically was a coach after that. Um, really smart guy. He's what the league is trending to. He's, he's young. He's smart. He's got experience. Like, I can understand why he would kind of jump the line, so to speak. I think he has a lot of credibility as, as a guy who's performed some different roles and 
He's now in his third year with the Patriots. Doesn't have the title of defensive coordinator. and he, he definitely does some things that a coordinator would do that the Patriots are a little shifty about, you know, who exactly does what uh, on defense. But, um, yeah, I don't know if Mayo's going to get his opportunity right now. I think he's 35 years old, 36, but this is what the league is. And I, I just think having, having known him, he's a smart guy, a very good communicator, definitely knows his stuff. Like, he reminds me of Mike Vrabel, who didn't exactly, you know, he put in some time as a position coach and defensive coordinator with Ohio State and the Texans, but he kind of shot up the ranks, too. But I think playing experience uh, matters a lot. And, and to me, Gerard Mayo is, is what the league is, is trending towards. And, I, you know, if, a, if a, league, a team decided to take a shot on him, I, I think he'd be a very good candidate. Gerard Mayo, co-DC. Steve Belichick, co-DC. Should the Raiders be interviewing Steve Belichick? Uh, definitely not after that game uh, against the Bills. Uh, literally the first perfect game in NFL history where the, the Bills had seven possessions and seven touchdowns. Uh, that's, that's, uh, Steve Belichick is a, a touchy subject in Boston these days. There are a lot of people who think you know, the whole nepotism thing, that the only reason he has his job is because of his dad and that there's no accountability there. And you know, That's a tough deal, and I, I don't know where to fall on that. I'm sure he certainly knows his stuff. You know, being the son of, of Bill Belichick, it's probably hard to avoid knowing a lot about football. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's also kind of special when a father gets to work with his son. So um, I don't want to totally criticize that whole thing, but you do wonder if there's any accountability there. I mean, like, Belichick's not going to fire his son and two of his kids. His other kid is the safeties coach, Brian Belichick. So that's, it's just a little bit of a touchy subject right now, and it's very interesting to see what happens. Uh, to the staff this uh, offseason because, I mean, that was terrible the other night, and it wasn't the only performance. They, the defense just completely fell apart down the stretch. And On a normal team, you'd think there'd be some accountability. Yeah, and I read the Shaughnessy piece that you had retweeted, and it's interesting, like, is Robert Kraft going to go, no sons are allowed to work in the or- – wait a second, can't do that, right? I mean, nepotism is such a thing across the league. La- last thing that we need from you, uh, Ben Volan. How are the Raiders viewed around the league? Because I saw the Rappaport, uh, we talked about his report yesterday that, you know, maybe folks around Mayock weren't told. He's walking into the building. You're like, oh, I guess he's fired. Like, are the, is Mark Davis, an, does he, is he an attractive guy to work for? Or, like, from outside, does this look like a clown show? Uh, I would say that Mark Davis has a little bit of a uh, circus-like personality or, um, you know, reputation maybe isn't fully, des- you know, deserved. Uh, but I know, I know, like the local radio, they they sometimes like to have fun at Mark Davis's expense. You know, the haircut and all that. But uh, yeah, I know it's not a good look uh, in league circles to you know handle things the way they did today, with, or whatever it was, with kind of word leaking out first of, of interviews before guys are officially. Yeah. But you, you like to see better communication. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'd like to see, I think uh, the Raiders have earned a lot of respect from people for how they uh, turn things around at the end of the season, how they kind of stayed together through some, some pretty bad stuff this year. Um, I, I'm in of the camp where I, I would give Rich Bisaccia another chance, but it seems like Mark Davis and the Raiders kind of want to blow it all out and just start fresh and, and begin a new era, which I can understand with the way that things ended with, with Gruden, but I think you know I, I think there's something something to be said for continuity. Masaccia um, seems like a guy who, because of his you know he was a special teams coach, he never got that chance, and, and now he's 
I think it was pretty impressive the way he kept the team together and, and pulled off that win streak at the end. And even the game against Cincinnati, they, they didn't give up. They fought till the end. Very, very impressive performance. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the change will do him good. There's certainly a lot of good candidates out there, but uh, they, they were building something, and, and uh, it's a shame that this staff looks like it's probably going to get blown out the door here. Ben, thank you so much. That was a great spot. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. There he is. Ben Volan out of New England, Boston Globe. Zoe's on the uh, Dan Patrick Show as a regular, was hosting on WEEI today. Football frenzy coming up. I want to get Candy's reaction to, uh, again, go back to Gerard Mayo and Bart Scott saying he's jumping a line. What does that even mean? How many how many guys jump the line, the supposed line? And, and by the way, Gerard Mayo's name is not coming from out of nowhere. Um, I've heard his name mentioned for a couple of years as a potential head coach. If Bart Scott didn't know that, jumping the line, what are you talking about? The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.